Hi there, my name is Sean Sunday, my pronouns are he, him, and this is No Capes, the show where we talk about creator-owned comics with creators who own comics. Each week a new creator joins me to chat about a book we've both read and loved. This show is initially recorded as a video talk show, so if you want to see what we're showing on the screen while we talk, head over to the Brainbee Studios YouTube and watch that video. If not, head down below to the description, open up the comic, and read along while we chat. Thanks for listening, enjoy the show. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of No Capes. Uh, this week I have with me the wonderful team of Ted Brandt and Rose Stein, and we're going to be talking about a comic I was unfamiliar with until this week, uh, Witch Hat Atelier, which was recommended by Ted, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, introduce yourself folks, tell everyone a little bit about yourselves, and we'll chat about the comic. Of course I have to go first. Um... <laughs> Well, I pencil comics, this most specifically uh, crowded at the moment. You know I am terrible at this every time. Why do you make me go first? Okay, I'll, I'll stop doing that. Hello, I'm Ted. Um, I mostly ink comics, penciled by Ro, who uh, has forgotten how to talk like a person. Uh, uh, you said that like I knew how to at the beginning. <laughs> uh, and the, the combination of both inks and pencils by the two of you is honestly my favorite thing that's happening in comics right now i have so many people whose work i really admire but every single time a panel from crowded crosses my feed i can't help but smile and just look for more well thank you very much that's very nice to hear no, you're, you're very welcome uh, yeah seeing your work last year while i was struggling to work on my own stuff and chatting with both of you a little bit over twitter uh was really a big uh, motivation booster for me because your work is something different to what i'm used to seeing even in the indie scene and i really really love that the dynamism and economy of line just blows me away and it's something that i'm i'm really striving for in my own work and i'm always impressed by it we've somehow ended up in a really weird spot where we're halfway between i mean which is quite thematically appropriate i suppose uh, halfway between european comics and american and it seems to be working quite well for us that's well i'm gonna have to investigate that a little bit more then because i'm not really too familiar with what the difference is and i really want to because there's there's one thing i'm trying to do with my influences and everything at the moment it's um make it less america centric yeah yeah because there's a That's lot of great idea. stuff coming out of america but there's also an entire world of stuff out there to find yeah i know the um one of my favorite things was um going to the uh Angoulême festival um which is a week-long comics festival um, that, you know, um, well, I mean, it makes San Diego look tiny. Um, it has more than 600,000 people. Wow, that sounds really fun. Over the week. And, um, yeah, there were comics from everywhere. It was just incredible. One of my favourite ones was um, a volume of Hungarian comics, which um, the Hungarian Tourism Board had sponsored the, the uh, artists to make and print and take to Angoulême, which I thought was a brilliant idea. Yeah. No one else, no one else was there with the, the state having sponsored their comics making, saying, 
No, that's know, look. We we have good art in Hungary. Come come see us. Look, yeah, that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, that's really I cool. Remember, I remember you specifically saying something about there was one comic you saw that was made out of a weird medium, but a comic was it pig's blood? Pig's, I thought it was. I thought, it was <gasps> yeah, that, that that was a that was a fine art comics exhibition. Yeah, room, I think I've heard of that they, one. Um, it was this. It like each panel was about half the size of a door. Um, so like the the, the um, that that room was full of uh, experiential comics. So like one of them was uh, a comic made um, through uh, like kind of picture frames about this big, hung in a perfect like cutaway replica of a nineteen forties house, <laughs> and so it was it was really interesting. Like they were really kind of pushing the idea of oh, what a comic can be. Yeah, that's really cool. I wish we could get something like that here. It's uh, it's hard enough getting the government to put any money into the arts at all, let alone comics in Australia. Oh yeah, like various parts of Europe um, take that more seriously than uh, either the UK or Australia ever do. Yeah, yep. Um, our arts funding over the last even two years has just been slashed so many times, and uh, let alone comics anything to do with graphic art and comics is n nothing here. We went to Fine Art University last year and were told straight up that our art is lowbrow and not real art. <laughs> I mean, some comics are definitely lowbrow, but I would, I, I would never say I've encountered one that isn't real art. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's that's what Australia focuses on here is fine art. Like also, if if that per if that person also uh, is a fan of Liechtenstein, then they can get in the fucking sea. Right. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. Abstract expressionist fine art stuff is what's currently in fashion in Australia, and it seems like it's a few years behind a lot of other places. Yeah. Well, don't worry. You, you'll you'll all come out of it. Yeah. And and then, luckily, you'll all get to pretend that it never happened, <laughs> just like everywhere else. Yeah, that's it. Um, so far, the only big comics exhibition type stuff we've had here was a big Marvel exhibition that did the rounds. Um, and I think there was another one in a train station down in Melbourne as well. Yeah, if, if um, even if you don't go to the festival, I would highly recommend someday you know, going to the um, the comics museum in um, Angoulême because they have pages of original art from all over the world. Yeah, that sounds really cool. So they've got you know, like all the way from um, uh, North and South America, Europe, um, Korea, China, Japan. Mm. It's stunning, and the, we're, we're talking like all over the last hundred years. So some of the pages are only a decade or two old and some of them are 40, 50, 60 years old. Wow, that sounds so good. Delicate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so they've got, they've got um, four different lots of stuff in there and they rotate them out so that each one only gets three months out of storage so that the paper doesn't get damaged too much. Like, there's no natural light in there. All the, all the lights yeah. are soft to make sure that the paper and ink are preserved. Wow, that's really um, cool. And they only spend three months out of storage in, in a year. But There was oh, um, yeah. one exhibition that I actually did part of our homework on for the fine art thing. 
because I, I was rebelling and making everything I could about comics and games. <laughs> um, I think it was the Kelvin Grove Museum or something. Um, mm -hmm. Something like that. And they had a, a, a Frank Quitely exhibition. Nice. And it was like two of the biggest things was like one of Quietly's Superman and his um, Alan Moore portrait. Just oh, like yeah. the size of a house on the wall. And I, I, that's a big Alan Moore. It was, and and I was like, yes, only slightly smaller than the real one, real thing. <laughs> yeah, if I could have gone to that, I definitely would have been there in a heartbeat. Um, cool. Well, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to pull up Witch Hat Atelier so people can see what we're talking about. Uh, let me just open that up here. I'm split screening and I've lost my mouse. Oh no! <laughs> there we go. Alright, so I've got that up on the screen uh, with the cover, so um, it's even just such a lovely co cover too. Like, yeah, it is still a very uh, manga style, but combined with a lot of elements of that nouveau deco sort of look. Mm. Yeah. I really oh, yeah. appreciate that a lot. I want that cloak. It looks so warm. It does. It does. It looks really nice. Um, so cozy. You can have the cloak. I'm having the house. <laughs> uh, yeah, that house is lovely. This, this bit on the first page with the six-finned whale yeah. and everything and just the soft colouring, it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Stunning. I oh, don't... No, I'm I'm torn because part of me wishes the whole book could be in colour, because those pages are yes. those opening pages are staggering. But on the other hand, the control of light and dark is so strong anyway that the colour really isn't necessary in that sense. No, no, it's it's not necessary, but it is something else to look at. It's so beautifully done. I I do wonder whether it would have less impact if it was the entire book. I mean, yeah, well, these pages, the, the, the opening pages really stand out precisely because it's not the norm. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I also like on the, that second double page spread how even only half the page is inked. Yeah. Like the, the far right corners is still pencils. Yeah. Transitioning into ink and colour and it's really nice. Yeah. But the the yeah, lighting... It's... The, the grasp of lighting on this page is yeah. just... The colouring for the stuff underwater as well. Yes. That's clearly not been uh, inked. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm looking at those bricks that have collapsed into the, into the water and just the light bouncing off them in the shadows, and it's incredible. Yeah, the yeah the the, uh, the subtlety of texture under the water is mm. absolutely astonishing. Yeah, and uh, I love everything on this page. But right now, I think actually my favorite part is just that tree that is crossing over the pages of the book. Yeah, in the, the top left. The trees, yeah, the trees in this book are just gorgeous to look at. Yeah, the the texture well, and just the the way they've inked it. Mm. 
I'm not going to lie, I'm terrified of inking traditionally, and I'm going to start practicing it soon, but I'm expecting to make a hell of a mess. It is very messy. Like... Particularly if you're going to use a dip pen. Be prepared for big splodges. Yeah, yeah. I've had some uh, some really notable disasters with... Like, don't get me wrong, I love dip pens, but if you're not careful, unloading all of the ink at once is a definite possibility. Okay. I do remember having issue one with the, just the line of ink that just fell down the page. Yeah, I had... Um, um, so the, as I was doing things, I slipped slightly and the, the pen discharged everything. Oh, so no. I had, so it was, luckily it was only, the, it was the bottom panel on the page. It, it went right through worse. a face. But it went right through a face and, um, uh, and a lot of other stuff. And it, so it was a, lo- a black line about a centimetre wide. Oh. Yeah. So when I say right through a face, I really mean right over yep. a face. Yeah. It just, it, it took off half of Charlie's face. Uh, so, putting getting enough uh, white out on that and uh, and repairing it was it was a challenge. Yeah, I can I can understand that. But it was it was necessary because I inked all the rest of the page. That was the last panel, so I wasn't going to go back and yeah start over. So yeah, looking at the delicacy of the trees and because there's almost the Art Nouveau feel, but the way the trees are drawn. Yeah. Yeah. The knots and the twists, so there's such yeah, control all, and the flow. That, that's it's more notable in that sort of tree because a lot of the trees, as the book progresses, simplify out a lot. Yes, like because mm. there is definitely a very Art Deco feel, but it, it's most notable when the art is indulged, which yes. isn't often the case because that, I mean that's the nature of manga. Like you know, you. It's very rare that you get real, um, really detailed moments because the the manga in general, and certainly um, Shirama as a a, you know as an example, as our current example, do a really good job of scaling up and down levels of detail depending on uh, on how close you are to uh, the object. Yeah, even on this the next page where they transition into the black and white. You can see that, like the first frame is very light on shading and no background. Yeah, and yet it gives you everything you actually need. Yeah, for the moment. Yeah, and then the the bottom right panel has so much more detail and texture in the cobblestones and the bushes in the background. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it. I know it's one thing that I really admire about manga and that we're wanting to incorporate a lot going forward that that uh, control of detail and um, focus and focus mm. drawn by the amount of detail yeah no that's that's really cool I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do with that because like, this book is just... I'm just looking at everything I read again and just spotting so many more things that I didn't notice last time. It yeah, I mean any good comic always rewards repeat reading and this really rewards repeat reading. Yeah. So I've um I've read all of them at least twice now and good god. Yeah, What's I'm... nice for me is that this is a book I'm actually able to repeat read because yes. I have problems with um, 
concentration and also um, passing information sometimes. But there's something I haven't quite managed to pinpoint exactly what it is about this book, but I find it just so easy to read. Yeah, and yeah. such a joy to read. Well, I think I think that is a like partly the the manga accessibility thing of it's you know Western comics, especially over the last twenty years, have trended towards detail everywhere, detail yeah. for everything. Whereas, like, yeah. Well, let's let's say the last thirty years since the uh, the image revolution. Yeah. That and yet the manga it, thing has is high contrast, which is a yeah, lot more exactly. neurodiverse friendly. Yeah, exactly. That thing of um, you know, oh, this this panel is simple, so it only needs simple detail. Mm. This panel is complicated, so it needs complicated detail. Is you know, and or and also scaling it with size as well, you know, because they've got the the two axes, haven't they? Really, yeah. um, you've, you've got a, a, a cross grid of. Um, of size of panel and sim and uh, you know uh, complication complications of panel and yeah. so that that's the the four-way matrix you use to um determine how much is going to be in a manga panel and actually that's a really it's a really sensible way of organizing it in a way that i think there are definitely some west some western comics that could really you know because there are some that, that make all the detail work absolutely for them, and you know, there's plenty that do. But there are some that could really stand to um, calm down, throttle it a bit. Yeah, throttle. Yeah, I I know what you mean. There's been a few comics over the last couple of years that I've read that I'm like, wow, this is this is stunning. And then there's been a few that I'm like, oh, wow, this is really intricate, but I cannot focus on it. Like I have hardcore ADHD, so me on like six hours sleep reading this last night i took everything in i didn't have to go back and reread the page multiple times which i do have to do with some comics which is another thing that again i've always loved about crowded is there is a lot of little things in there that you folks put in but again the reason that i mentioned the economy of line that you use makes it so easy for me to focus while i'm reading I'm really glad because that, that's that's been a big thing for us. Like we've tried to we've tried to make sure that it's value for money in terms of the amount of stuff that's in any given page, but also it was really important to us that no matter how complicated it got, that you could pick it up as a you know as your first comic, having never even yeah. learned how to read them, and still be okay. That that you could pick it up as a neurodiverse person reader and be okay. Like, yeah. Well, I, I think you've really achieved it because I have had no trouble reading a single issue and I am planning on going back and rereading the entire series once that final issue hits my, my comicsology. And it's just always been, since I saw Crowded, it's been a goal is to get that dynamism and that efficiency of storytelling into my own work without having to use unnecessary amounts of detail. Yeah, I'd say that for like for while it works for crowded, I think like we the, have an unnecessary amount of detail in places. Yeah, <laughs> we do. Like and like we're making it work for us, but in future I think we're definitely going to look at trying to go more manga yeah. detailing, especially in something more like Witch Has Tellier, where we're looking at you know, detailing appropriate to uh, 
the content of the page. Yeah, uh, I'm actually <laughs> really finding it interesting. Sorry, Ro, you were about to say something. I was just going to say about the people say um, make something that you would want to read. And yeah. I think that also really, if you've got um, not a neurotypical brain, mm -hmm. if you're making something is and you're reading a script and like, well, how would I make? How would I find this the easiest way to read? Is a very important thing. So if you're just going to say, well, this is what's required, but don't put thought into how the best way you would find it to be told on the page, then it's not going to make as much sense. Because if it doesn't make entire sense for you when you're making it, then it's not going to read clear clearly for people reading it. Yeah. No, no I know exactly what you mean with that. Um, which has actually been kind of. Uh, while I'm I'm still very new to sequential art, um, one of the biggest compliments that's been consistent I've received from people has been that um, they really enjoy my angles and stuff, like transitioning from one angle to the next and the, the way I choose to frame a picture, um, which is something I was really worried about being able to do any good going in. But despite whether my art is where I want it to be, people have consistently said that they're finding that really engaging, which is very rewarding to know. Because I'm sort of teaching myself all this, you know? So I, I've got a, a long way to go until I'm happy with the quality of my work. But knowing that I've stepped out of the gate with that being something that people are noticing makes me feel good about the direction I'm going to head in. Storytelling is the most important bit. It, yeah. Like, that is. Because uh, it, it, it doesn't matter what, you know, it doesn't matter what finish you can bring to the art. If you don't have good storytelling, all the polish in the world isn't going to save exactly. the Exactly. That's exactly right. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to focus on at the moment, is telling a good story and making it work and then I'll work on everything else. Yeah. What's the thing? Um, finish is um, completely a matter of taste. Yeah. But if you've got the basic fundamentals of how to get your story across, then that's going to transcend how well it's actually been rendered. Yeah, well, the thing is, you, you need to make a story that anybody can read. Whether or not anybody, like, whether or not everybody is going to like it is... You know, that's a, a very separate question. Yeah, and, yeah, that's you know, right. You'll never, you'll never get everybody, but you know, but if you have a story that people can't read, then not only are you shutting out huge portions of a, of a potential readership, but also you're you're meaning that you know that it's going to be much harder to get anyone who likes it anyway. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, which is is something that I've noticed about this book is that it was very easy to read. Even for me, who this is, I think this is the first manga book I've picked up in 10 years. It was so easy to read, even though I'm not used to going left to right. Uh, right to left. <clears throat> I think this um, might be the only second manga book I've ever read, and the first one was One Punch Man. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I found it really interesting the way they use their frames a lot in this book, too. I'm on the that... second spread, I think, of full black and white art, where... The, um, 
It's got the, the bit at the top with the, the water dripping and the book falling through the frames. Yeah. But then that bottom frame is all the way over touching the edge of the page, which isn't something you see in Western comics very much. No. You know, you've almost always got a gutter all the way around and then maybe some background colour, but rarely do you see the panel border attached to the edge of the page. And that really drew my attention while I was reading it. It's, it's that kind of, um, well, we're done with that bit now. We're taking you somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. It, it, mm. it means it's complete. Because it, it means that it's, it's drawing you away. Because that, that page doesn't have any, um, like, because it's got the, the splash black um, that the book, you know, that the, um, the water panels are, a, are, you know, sat on top of and the book is falling through. So that's all very open feeling. And then, so to transition it to um, a panel that's going off the page, not only steers the reader in the correct direction, where there hasn't been a lot of implied motion directionally before that, but um, because it's offset to one side, then it, it's definitely saying, and now come away from there. Yeah, that makes sense. It also, it also almost feels like it's a pan across the horizon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, because because you've got the camera starting at a definite point, but then it tends to infinity because although it goes off the page, your mind can keep going because there isn't a... and will, for a little bit at least, because there isn't a panel border locking it off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that that's so, true. So, yeah, the, the, the technique is, well, flawless. You could say so much just about that panel, but because it's like that whole feeling of isolation and the whole widespread of because because it's not bought, uh, hemmed in it's like there is that extra feeling of well this these planes go on feels, forever yeah mm. yeah and but and crucially um that because coco is sat facing away from the only the only vertical panel border that there is then Which it feels was... yeah exactly it feels like everything is out in front of her yeah, and what is behind her is limited. That's true. Um, I'm going to skip forward a couple of pages now to find the page. For an hour on one panel. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm on page oh, you... 14 now, which is another one of my favourites, where Coco first really speaks to... Um... I forgot. Jeffrey. Yes, that's the one. I forgot his name for a second. Um, and he's sort of sat in between the panels and I, I really like how they've done that let me just bring that back up on the screen so people can see yeah well i mean having a like pop out thing and then in fact like that first chiffrey figure becomes the panel border which is yeah again another really is a really fantastic technique because if he is the panel border, then it gives a really strong impression that he's he a is, sense of importance. Exactly, yes. he is the end of everything, right? Right in this moment. Yeah, that's it. He's like he really stands out as the this guy is a big deal. You, yeah, you need to he, pay attention to him because he he isn't constrained by the moment. He is constraining the moment. Yes, which is the really the really big thing of it, about that. I really love the transition from that whole thing of like, this is the very important guy to then 
He's just wedged in between the door and the wall. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's big, impressive guy. He's like, no, I'm just standing in the corner being very yeah. unassuming. But that's the thing, because it show, it's a really interesting thing that shows that even though he is acting in a humble manner, that his importance to the story can't be constrained by his own humility. Yes. So it tells you a lot there, both about him as a character and about... His, like him as a character in a meta sense of his importance to the story because he is literally warping the page around him because he's so important and yet when you pull out and give him context he is uh, very... trying to be as unobtrusive as possible exactly so it, you get this really interesting contrast between I mean, which is the, the you know the formalism at play of um, using him to distort the page yeah while and then when you give him the context he becomes this really tiny figure and you show so you get the sense that he is powerful very much an, an integral part of the story and yet also just a just a person in a place yeah no that, that's right and uh if i skip forward to page 18 i love the use of screen tones in the top yeah. and bottom right panels on this I love the screen tones throughout the whole thing, which screen tones are something I'm yet to master. But that page, I just really like the way they've used them on the background. And especially in that bottom right panel where it's sort of the background transitioning into the foreground. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, the, the screen tone use is absolutely impeccable. Um, it's something that I would love to incorporate more as well. Um, physical screen tones are going to be a bit of an issue for us because yeah. getting hold of them oh. here is yeah. absolute nightmare. I wouldn't even have the foggiest way to start getting them in Australia. I only just managed to get some Bristol after I talked to you last time about it. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was sold out almost everywhere and I managed to order some and got it shipped to me. Yeah, I mean, like screen tones, Americans have a much easier time because um, they've got a couple of um, people whose specific, a couple of companies whose specific jobs are importing uh, manga tools, mm -hmm. so like they have they have a dedicated importer of um, deleter manga sheets, which is great. But like for the rest of us chumps, we uh, either have to um, like I mean most Take of, through the nose or yeah, well, do it digitally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because like here we have to or you know we have to order just it's like. Don't some, don't some, you found some places that sold them, but they didn't deliver to the UK. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, no. So, like, if you want to import it here, pretty much your only choice is through Amazon sellers, which is, and then it's, like, around £30 for a, just, basically, you get a deleter sample pack, so you don't even get to, like, pick. Yeah. And the, but the sample packs are great. There's a lot of good stuff in there, but you still don't get but to pick. Of, you end up with a case of, like, well, I've got this. I'm not sure where I'm going to use this specifically, and I've got not enough of this one, which I have a very specific idea yeah. to use. Yeah. No. Whereas, like, if you look at the screen tone usage, like for the skies in which I tell you, where you've got like oh, um, beautiful clouds. kind of clouds printed into it, and like, and then the fade out over the horizon, you can just get like sheets of screen tone that do that, and you just lay it on. That's cool. And or you know the patterned ones. All those sorts of things are completely accessible if you're in Japan or, or the States. Yeah. And for the rest of us, we like 
we have to kind of try and guess and work out how to do it, which is... Yeah. I don't know if we have anything that only we can get that no one else can get. <laughs> I, I doubt Sadly, it. no. We don't have anything cool. <laughs> Bristol board was originated in the UK. Yeah, but, but now it's, it's harder to get the right sizes here than it is anywhere else. Well, yeah, because if, if right sizes, like for American stuff, is 11 by 17. And yeah. Like, yeah. I had to buy some sheets like this big that I've got to chop in half. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> one of the one of the most exciting things about um, the idea of moving out of uh, direct market comics and into book market is because of the difference in uh, page format that we'd actually be able to use A4 Bristol board instead of uh, like you know, oh, um, yeah, yeah, sort of size, which would make things so much easier because we'd get hold of that so much cheaper. And also then if we wanted to do a double spread, we could use it on our stash of the bigger stuff we've got so you wouldn't have to try and stitch it together when you're scanning in, which is a nightmare. Yeah, like, <laughs> there, there's there's no good way to stitch no. pages together completely. No, I, I know what you mean. I had to do that with my page for that manga comic because I did, I penciled it traditionally and then inked it digitally and, yeah, it was... So every time, I like it. every time I stitch double page spreads together, like from two sheets of eleven by seventeen, it almost completely matches up. But there's always a couple of lines that, like, yep. despite the fact, that, like, you know, we deliberately print overlap and all of that so that, like, you know, we can match it all up. Yeah, still That's never quite, I... never quite works. Why? So yeah, being able to move to smaller format and so use the bigger pages as a double page spread would be. Oh heaven! Yeah, that's uh, that's got me thinking about how I want to do my book next year now because that might be a good idea, since it's not going to be a series; it'll just be one book. That that might make it easier for me. <laughs> yeah, well, it definitely helps because we've got and we've got an A three printer scanner, so mm. we can deal with up that. Um, we can deal with it up to that sort of size for scanning in one piece, which is really useful. Yeah, that's, that's what I, I do with my pencils, actually. I get the American size guide and then shrink it to fit onto an A4, uh, A3 page. So I've got heaps yeah. of space around the edge, but at yeah. least it's on there. Well, just think of that as plenty of places for you to end up with inky fingerprints that you don't know how they got there. Yes. <laughs> That is true. Um, I think it's the next page, though, that we're from. Yes, here it is. This page with yeah. the big picture oh. of the castle and everything. Um, yeah. Page 20 like has my favorite panel in the entire book. Is it the uh, the um, bottom left of Shifty um, yes. leaning on the. Yes, it is. <laughs> That's the one I was looking. I was just uh, quietly reading flicked to that page and just laughed out loud to myself because I just thought it was so good. Yeah, it's such so a simple. Yeah, it's such a small thing, but it's just such a clever use of the border. I loved yeah. it. I know, the, the framing of that panel is absolutely exquisite. Just continuing it off below so that you can really get the sense of him leaning on the table's edge. Mm. Yeah, and like the use of the black inks on it is so striking. Yeah, so pretty. Oops. I also really like the um, transition from the cross hatching to the 
the um the screen tone, the screen tone. Mm, it, by using the screen tone underneath it as well so that it's well, really... my cross hatcher cannot get any smaller <laughs> time time for dots yeah yeah yeah, yeah no, i like that cross hatching is definitely something that is not my strong point yet <laughs> oh yeah it's it's hard it's so hard it is i was really glad <laughs> for um that page i found some really good cross hatch brushes for clip studio which I got to, to mess around with, and that was fun. But I really want to learn how to do it properly. Yeah, well, especially when you look at, like, the, the um, page 21 with the uh, the picture of the castle. Yes. The crosshatch, brush, uh, crosshatch brush is good for, the like, those background um, gradient things. Yes. But if you're trying to, trying to make forms with it, it's, it's useless. Yeah, exactly, it's yeah. Useless. All, that's it. All it's I useless. used it for was blocks of shadow. Yeah, and it was fine yeah. for that. Mm -hmm. But to try to do something like the clouds in the mountainscape in that frame with the castle, no, yeah. you can't dictate form with those brushes. No, you can't. They're... they're great for just blocking out some shadow, but you can't do this with it. And even the trees are just hatching. Yeah, yeah. I know it's just yeah, it's utterly exquisite. Yeah, it's Pen something work. else. I'm trying to think of. There's a process that it reminds me of. It's um, metal plate printing. I yes. think, where you stretch into the printing. And yeah. Yep. It reminds me so much of that. Just, uh, so pretty. Also, uh, the patience. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I, the thing, like you would hate that. For me, that doing that would be so zen. <laughs> I have no zen. I have no attention span. <laughs> no, no. But then, like for me, doing the li doing all that line work would just be so much fun. Just yep. you'd be able to completely lose yourself in just this repetitive, beautiful motion of trying to make these perfect, endless lines match up. Yeah, it's 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 gorgeous. And for me, it would be a toss of the coin. <laughs> it, it could go either way depending on the day. <laughs> yeah i mean this is why i do the finished lines because i have a lot more patience with it yeah that thing would be a big mess if i was having to finish it yeah i'm <laughs> i'm trying to learn how to ink better but penciling is definitely my stronger point yeah the, for me there would be absolutely no consistency of line style because it's just like i i'm here for shapes i'm yes. here for shapes not lines yes <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I, I'd love to um, f figure out the shapes of the stuff, but coming to um, doing the cross hatching and the delicate line was like, nah, that that ain't happening. Yeah, well, that's, that's why we work together because because yeah. I would I'd be I'd like to figure out the shapes, but I wouldn't do a good job with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I haven't even figured out how to use the pressure sensitivity on my new drawing tablet properly yet. <laughs> good luck with that. What kind is it? Uh, XP pen. That, it can't be any worse than Wacom's weird stuff that goes on with it. Yeah, I hate Wacom so much. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of why I got this one. It was recommended to me by a few people, and like, this was 600 bucks. And it's that big. <laughs> yeah, Wacom is horribly overpriced, and spending like several decades at the top of the pile 
they're like, a bit complacent. Yeah, they they are. I mean, they just make they just make bad products now. Yeah, like, they were. Everyone loved them, but I think. Well, they were the only game in town. Exactly, they were, they were the only game in town, so people formed a nostalgia. And actually, now it's just a case of people going, oh, these, "These they're not very good." Yeah, like, I, I mean, now we now we've used iPads. We're never going back to Wacom. Yeah. That's I, it. I remember when I got my first Cintiq and I opened the box and I was like, I do not have half the cables I need to actually connect this to my computer, well, so I can't try it out. Exactly, whereas this thing came with the cables. Yeah, but that's that's Wacom all over for you. Yeah, this, yep, this thing came with the cables and its own power plug, and I could just plug it in, install the driver, and done. I was using it the same day it got here. What kind of cables? I'm really interested because I'm recalling the cables from um, when I got my first Antique in like 2008. Oh, yeah. No one uses VGA cables anymore. Was we have to try and screw them yeah. in? Oh, like, yeah, no. That's, that's VGA cables. Yeah, I don't miss so, that. No, this thing. Basically, um, that, that's because that's like early 2000s graphics card stuff. And Wacom, because they were the only game in town, never had an incentive to change their manufacturing processes and they were too cheap to do it. Yeah. That's why that so they've only just like upgraded to HDMI cables like 4 years ago. Yeah, uh, they they had to cuz trying to connect a Cintiq to a MacBook. Yeah. <laughs> I need so many adapters. I've got wires everywhere. Uh, you're just surrounded and you can't actually get out of if you've got it on a computer and you're doing it like on a sofa and you're just surrounded by wires there is no way if you need to pee you had to know 10 minutes before it happens because you had to try and untangle yep. yourself from everything this is my my couch drawing it's just yep. a, a samsung yep. tablet yeah and so. look at that it, just pick it up and go yeah, so I, I only drew pencils on there because I really like using clip studio for inking because it's got better brushes but yeah because they just released Clip Studio for Samsung, but only right. for like this year and maybe last year's Samsungs. I can typical. I can find it on the Samsung store, but it will not install on this tablet. Oh. Which just broke my heart because I love Clip Studio. I've been using it since it was Manga Studio. And I, yeah. I held on to my old version of Manga Studio for so long because I couldn't afford to buy it outright. And then I managed to get it on one of the 50% off sales earlier this year, and I haven't looked back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the pricing on it is insanely good, considering how much it can do. Exactly. Even at full price, it's still so reasonably priced for how powerful it is. Well, yeah, because like, over here it costs... like. Fifty pounds, I think, for full purchase. If you're doing it at, um... for the computer, yeah, you need yeah. a subscription. Yeah, yeah, but like, if you so if you're buying a computer license, it's fifty pounds, and then that's just a permanent license. Yeah, it... and you get all you get all updates in perpetuity for free. Yeah. Then you look at Adobe, the cheapest uh... possible Photoshop um, you can have now is renting it for a hundred and twenty pounds a year. Yeah. Yep. And Photoshop is such bloatware as well. Like Yeah, it's so heavy on the computer. All the Adobe products are so heavy on my computer. Not not, not just that. It's um, it also um, massively bulks up file sizes unnecessarily. And it's been getting worse. Yeah, because um, so like, here's the thing. Um, the last time I used um, it to scan in crowded um, pencils were uh, it's crowded inks and turn them into a TIFF. 
was 2019. So it was 2019 Photoshop. Um, so first time I used it was 2017 Photoshop. 2017 Photoshop, the TIFF file um, was 15 megabytes when I exported it, which was um, American Comics page size 600 DPI. Then 2018, I didn't change any settings whatsoever. It was 30 megabytes output. 2019, again, still no change in the settings, 60 megabytes. So over two versions, it quadrupled the size of output. That's ridiculous. For no, for no enhancement in quality whatsoever. That's... This is what I mean when I say Photoshop is bloatware. It's basically saying you don't get to email your work to anybody. Yeah, like, yeah. and it took it took four times longer to uh, to upload. Like, um, whereas then, like, I um, for the uh, comic we made um, with Jamie McKelvey earlier this year um, for um, the uh, aftershock retailer support. Um, support thing then um though those pages were full color you know full color pages that we exported as 600 dpi tiffs so same as the crowley page i did only with full color as well they were five megabytes wow what was it you used for that that was affinity designer on the ipad i don't know show that i don't know what i'm doing with my files then because my black and white file with a ridiculous amount of layers for uh, that is 114 megabytes. <laughs> oh, Boise. <laughs> but yeah, like, well, I mean, the, 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 that final TIFF was everything flattened down. Yeah. So, like, yeah. no separate layers. But still, like, well, that's it was true. still 600 DPI full color. Yeah. That, it, that is the, the Clip Studio file that's 114 megabytes with, like, 50 layers in it. Because I'm a layer... Yeah. I feel yeah. <laughs> I I have no idea what size my files are because I don't dare look. <laughs> yeah, no, I just I just looked when you mentioned it then because I was like, oh, I wonder how big mine was. And I mean, well, we we know they're big because when you because um, even after you compress them all down to give to me, sometimes they're still too big to um, still too big to load into uh, Procreate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, my TIFF file is seventeen point four meg. Yeah, that's, that's see, that's, that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, it's it's four seven zero one by seven two five one, at fourteen meg. So that's not so bad. Yeah, that, no, that like that's perfectly fine. But it's just like if all you've got is, like, scanned single layer line work. Like because it yeah. was scanned inks that I'd cleaned up, so it's single layer line work, of. Yeah just black lines on a transparent on an otherwise transparent layer and that was coming in at 60 megabytes like yeah, yeah photoshop no, is the fucking worst yeah that's too much i found, I found one file that's 191.8 megabytes <laughs> yeah that sounds like you yep yep every single panel on that page has a folder with all of its layers in it that also that sounds like you, apart from the folders, because you're not that organised. I do folders now. <laughs> I, yeah, I, to I be fair, I only started doing folders a few months ago. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got that handy tool that if you have it and you just click on the thing, the it'll, object take you, select. it'll take you straight to the layer you're after. I know, I, I resent them for putting it in so much, because it means that you don't need to organise your shit at all. I organise it enough for you. You don't have to deal with the files. You get you 
get pared down files. I know, it's just so funny though, with, like, just when you're flattening down all of your layers and you're just going, oh shit, that, 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 that isn't there. That doesn't flatten onto that. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Robin, oh, here's no, some... I, I was using a multiply layer on this and now everything's gone weird. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. My partner hears some noises coming from this room when I'm trying to do stuff like that sometimes too. Yeah. Whereas I ink on one layer. That's it. If I'm doing digital inks, it's on the one layer. I may add a second and then flatten that down immediately as soon as I'm done with it. Yeah. I try to do that when I'm inking, but no promises. <laughs> the worst thing is when you're trying to organize your layers and you delete the wrong one and you don't realize until later on. It's like, Where's that bit gone? Oh no! Yes! Oh! The the thing... Where'd it go? The thing I figured out the other day is I have to get used to split screening with Clip Studio in the tablet. Because I did five hours of colouring work while I was playing D&D last weekend. Oh boy! And I thought I was, I was, you know, subconsciously going Control S, Control S, Control S, Control S the whole time. Guess what? I don't think I'd clicked on the Clip Studio window before doing Control S because I was keeping an eye on what was happening in the D&D window. Oh, oh no. no! Guess what I discovered the, uh, two days ago when I sat down to continue colouring? Oh, God. I was back to rough flats. Oh no! <gasps> it was a blessing in disguise though because I had done it in my traditional airbrushing sort of style by mistake. Because I was tired and distracted by D&D &D and I just started colouring. I actually wanted to try airbrushing with screen tones. For a bit of an experiment. Because it's the, um, I'm not sure if either of you have seen it, but it's the sort of synth wavy looking one of the mech pilot from that comic of Frankie's that I'm just doing a poster of. And it's got like Is a... it on your poster? Um, it would be somewhere, yeah. Hang on, I might even be able to just uh, send the most recent render over. Really miss the days when Twitter media columns were just the media. Yeah. Yes. So much of everything. Going through quite a bit of um, Tim Curry. <laughs> <laughs> what in the world? Ah, there we go. Ah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, somehow I've lost our cameras. Oh, no! What's going on there? Yeah, for some reason, it has suddenly decided, even though it's still set to our cameras. There's me and there's you. Sorry Push about that, me. everyone watching. It switched <laughs> it switched from the Google Meet to Twitter. Ah. Excellent. It still said it was connected to Google Meets, but it was showing Twitter. <laughs> and this is where it, this comes down to me trying to learn how to use all my technology properly. But yeah, I had done full shading on that torso and almost all of the mint green armor and the face was done and then gone. 
Ouch. But I do look at it as a blessing in disguise because I realized afterwards, after I thought I saved it, like, oh, I just did all that work and I meant to do it in bloody screen tones because I was trying to go for that retro feel. And so I, I do have to do it again, but I do get to do it the way I wanted to try doing it. So. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm. Yeah, we recently did a thing trying to shade with screen tones, which was fun. Mm. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting experiment because I've got too many screen tone brushes. They're all fabulous, but I've got too many to choose from, and I still don't really know how they work. So we'll see what happens. Experimentation. Yay. Yeah, I for one am looking forward to picking up the next volume of Witch Hat tomorrow. It's. Yeah, I mean, it's so good. To, uh, we're, we're officially all caught up with yeah. Volume 6. I've never read a book so fast. <laughs> no, no, seriously, same. I've never read a graphic novel quite as fast as I did that. That was that, was that thick since I read it digitally. But it was um, it was so good. I really enjoyed it. I, I'm not usually like a, a magical witch school, magical girl story sort of fan. But this one was so wholesome and so engaging. It's it. I like. I like to use the word whimsy when describing this book. Yes, it's like I'm full of whimsy. It it really is, and it's just uh, it's a light, gripping, but it's a really light feeling story. What What's really interesting is that as it develops, the drama becomes much like much more, more heavily foregrounded. Mm. But it never loses that light touch or sense of whimsy. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So it, it like the the drama gets much more intense. The stakes get much higher, and yet, yeah, so it's it's really interesting. It's a really interesting masterclass in how to um, shift stakes without redefining the tone of your work. Yeah, that's oh, well. I'm looking forward to reading that then because that's going to be really interesting for stuff that I'm working on going forward. Because yeah, I mean. There's a there's a lot to learn in this book. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm really, really looking forward to that because I have the story planner for my mini, like open in front of me. I was tinkering with it before we started recording, and um, anything that I can read before I actually go forward with this project, I'm gonna devour like crazy. Yeah, and I think this yeah. book will actually help me with my big book. That's been backburnered until I get a hang of storytelling com in comics. Yeah, like I've I, I say this to a lot of people, but your big book should never come, like it shouldn't come until years into exactly making comics regularly. Exactly, and honestly, yeah. but like you should put it off long enough that there's a very good chance that you, you you've developed enough that you look at it and go, I, I've got something better now. Well, anyway, that's kind of what this was. My my big book that I first started trying to write was, I looked at it about seven years ago and I was going, this is some teenage tripe and threw it <laughs> because it was just yeah. a superhero book that I started coming up with when I was younger. And I'm like, no, nope, this is gone. And then I started learning more from folks in the community, following them online. And I was like, right, this is the story I really, really want to tell, but I ain't there yet. So it's, over here, every so often I'll pick up a world-building document and just jot down a few notes. Yeah. But I'm not going to try to actually write the story 
until I have a few stories under my belt. And until I learn how to draw dogs. <laughs> dogs are hard. Yeah. Uh, actually, that uh, there's a credit. Is my partner and I both love the hell out of dog. <laughs> my partner doesn't read comics as much as I do, but every time dog is on the page, they will lean over so they can have a look. <laughs> I have that thing now, when, looking back, like I really should have looked more at chihuahuas when designing him because he does not actually have a chihuahua head. No, but on the other hand, he has become very unique. distinct. And he does have a, he has a chihuahua feel. Which I guess is more important. Yeah. This is like, I, I love drawing that weird little rat thing. <laughs> yeah, I like Vita, I think, is my favourite. Dog is my second favourite. Understandable. Uh, I love drawing him when he's got just that completely done face. It's like, what are you humans doing? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Why>? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's really good. But I made the mistake with my my big book of focusing it around an anthropomorphic pug, hmm. and then I'd like written a few chapters of a b intro story and come up with some character concepts and stuff. And then I was like, I have never drawn a dog in my life. Shit. Yeah, designing designing a, a book to your own strengths is very sensible. Yes. Yeah, because like uh, the, the, while you know, you should always challenge yourself when make when making something and always keep pushing yourself to do better. Still, giving yourself some slack, cutting yourself some slack, is sensible. Yeah, no, I, I, that's why exactly why I put it off until I could learn and decide whether or not it was going to be a uh, full-on solo project to test myself, or whether it was going to be something that I use as a writer instead of as an artist. Yeah. Because I don't know where my strengths as a writer lie yet. We'll see what happens with that. <laughs> <laughs> Only one way to find out. Exactly. And, you know, I think I like to think a couple of the D&D adventures I've got in the pipe are pretty good stories. So we'll see what happens with the Network Man next year. If it's well-recepted, then I'll go ahead with more. Yeah. Exactly. It's all you can do. Yeah. In the meantime, I'm looking forward to doing more art for some more anthologies and stuff like that. Well, it's been really wonderful talking with you all. We are approaching sort of the end of that hour, so as much as I would love to keep you, it is your Sunday. And it is Sunday evening. It's 8 o'clock at night here, so I should probably go and make some dinner soon. Um, yes. But thank you so much for joining me. It has been an absolute thrill and a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thank you for having us. Yeah, it's been yeah. great. And if you guys want to tell everyone what you're allowed to talk about that you're working on and where people can find you on social media. Well, we're currently working on the final volume of Crowded. Yeah. Um, anything else is uh, just very, very early stages of pitches, so there's nothing to talk about, even if we could. Yeah. <laughs> that is fair enough. All consumed. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's just that thing of everything is slowed down to make room for more crowded brain space so yeah because we, uh, we really want to finish it this year which is going to be a challenge but we've got a, a reasonable shot at getting there yeah yeah well i'm looking forward to it i'm going to the second there is i don't know it's going to be like collections or one big fat book but whatever it is it's going to be on this shelf behind me <laughs> um yeah like it 
um, the, the final volume is going to be trade only because um, like but it's like whether it comes out as a big book of all three volumes I think um, well, that'd be cool it, like with, well, we're getting a third trade and then we might get an omnibus maybe like Chris has said he wants to talk to Image about it but he hasn't had that conversation until a bit of a hefty book yeah I, well I'm <laughs> gonna I'm gonna hold out hope for that omnibus because that would be really cool yeah, 450 pages of crowded all in one go. Yes. It'd be nice to be oversized. God, you actually could kill someone with that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I really, I'm going to, I'm going to wait until Chris says yes or no on the omnibus before I buy the trades because I want an omnibus if it's possible. Yeah, well, we'll have to see how that goes because that's a conversation to have with Image once yeah. the final trade is out. And speaking of which, I do need to get in touch with Chris because Chris is coming on the show later as well, and um, hey, need nice. to pick a comic. <laughs> so I'm not sure what comic uh, he wants to talk about, but uh, I'm looking forward to it and uh, the inevitable guest appearance from Zola. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she will be there. Uh, this is oh, the closest I'm ever going to come to meeting Zola. So, so yeah, um. As, as far as where you can find us on the internet, I'm on Instagram, but I don't use it at all. I yep. use it much more as a looking at other people thing. So yeah. the, the best place to find me is just Twitter, which is at 10 underscore bandits. I'm pretty much the same. I have an Instagram. It is very rarely used. So I'm, well, my Twitter is also very rarely used, but you can find me there. I just be very quiet. Um, so at Rostein 404. Excellent. Uh, and if you haven't read Crowded, I've already raved on about it enough throughout this episode. There will be a link to where you can get Crowded in the description below. Um, if you have any other comics that you would like recommended that you've worked on, just send them to me in a message and I'll link them below as well. Um, even in future comics, I'll edit and <laughs> add it in. Um, and please tune in for next week's episode this has been a really nice bonus episode um next week who am i talking to that's a good question i can't remember but i know i've got sweeney boo coming up soon which is going to be really exciting Ooh. as well sweeney's yeah. so lovely yeah i love sweeney's work and she's been so nice on twitter and in instagram so i'm really looking forward to having that chat um i do have somebody lined up i've forgotten who it is right now though for me to gush about crowded Oh. Yeah, Ooh. I can't remember who it is, but I know I've I, someone has we've picked Crowded as our comic for that episode. So I'm looking <laughs> forward times. because whenever somebody asks me for a non-super, it's one of the first books that I recommend. <laughs> All right, excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me again. Um, anytime you guys have another comic that you want to talk about, feel free to send me a message. You're welcome back anytime. It has been a pleasure Hi. to have you. Yeah, uh, yes, thank you very much. It's been really good fun. No worries. Well, thank you for that. And I'm going to sign off for now, guys. You can find me as Sean Sunday Art on all social media. Um, if you're an Australian illustrator, you can join the Discord that I set up for Australian illustrators. And there's one for TTRPG creatives as well. You'll find that in the links below alongside Ted and Rose links. So thank you for watching. And you will catch the live episodes of No Capes every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, which is at a ridiculous time in the morning for Ted and Rose, I'm pretty sure. 
midnight in fact yeah yeah i thought so but they'll always be up on youtube afterwards so i will let you folks know when the crowded episode goes live yes cool that'd be fun to watch yeah do (laughs) all right well thank you very much enjoy the rest of your sunday and we'll see you next time thanks Bye. bye Thanks for listening. This has been No Capes. If you'd like to find us on social media, you can find us at No Capes Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find me on BrainBeast Studios or at BrainBeastSean on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, consider subscribing on Patreon or dropping us a donation on Ko-fi. You'll find those linked in the description. Thanks again for listening, and I hope to see you for the next episode.